So today is the 11th of August, 2021. We've all gathered together to chant and recollect the qualities of the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. And we recollect in some lifetimes the fully awakened Buddha as a bodhisattva was born as uh, various types of birds such as a quail or a peacock and so on. And we recollect the Buddha when he was a bodhisattva, when he was this uh, peacock, for instance, when the sun rose, he would uh, pay homage and incline his mind to recollect and pay homage to all the Buddhas, to the Dhamma and the Sangha, and ask for safety as he went about uh, finding food and taking care of his life uh, as a peacock. And then in the evening time, when it got to be dusk, he would chant again and recollect this, this, mental, this wholesome mental object of the Buddha Dhamma Sangha and pay homage and incline his mind to the Triple Gem such that he may rest in safety for that night. So we see that the Bodhisattva, even as a bird, still had firm faith in the Buddha Dhamma Sangha. And we recollect that the Buddha, in all these past lifetimes as a Bodhisattva, he sacrificed his life, his flesh and blood, and all his lifetimes for the sake of helping all beings out of the cycle of birth and death out of samsara. And this is something incredibly difficult to find, to find a fully self-awakened Buddha that's been born into the world. Even to have one self-awakened Buddha, it's the very hardest thing to find. Uh, there's no comparison. It's the most difficult thing to find. So we've been born and we've met with the Dhamma. We've met with the teachings of the Buddha like this. This means that we have merit and goodness from the past. We've met with the path to realize freedom from suffering. So therefore we seek that which is of importance in our lives. And for some of us, we may have met with success in life already, uh, various, gained various types of wealth. We may ask, well, is there anything else? We may have everything in the world. We can ask, well, what else do we need? What else do we want? Because the uh, suffering still hasn't ceased. There's still a suffering there. We can think to the Buddha in various past lives as a great king, even to the point of being a wheel-turning monarch, the greatest type of king. And still, he hadn't yet seen the truth, uh, hadn't yet realized true happiness, despite this reaching this great material wealth, the pinnacle of uh, material wealth and happiness. So in these lives as a king, he was still building parami for the sake of full awakening later. So we have very good fortune to meet with the Dhamma, the teachings of the Buddha, we can ask, well, do we 
uh, believe in this? Do we we recollect that we believe that the Buddha was uh, fully awakened and had the great compassion without limit, without compare, without boundary uh, to teach the multitudes and also had the great incomparable wisdom to succeed completely over the defilements, the kilesas, in order to completely uh, free his mind from the defilements. And for those who practice following in the Buddha's footsteps, they can realize uh, discipleship, sawaka Buddhahood. They can become an awakened disciple following in the footsteps of the Buddha. For instance, uh, Lumpu Man is one such disciple. And we can think back to whether it's in the northeast, uh, the Isan region of Thailand, the middle region, the north or the south, there are a great many arahants and bodhisattvas. And all these uh, great beings practice following the teachings of the Buddha. And they were able to succeed to full awakening to arahantship. So we've likely heard about this, uh, such as Lumpu Ginari, Lumpu Tangrat, Lungta uh, Mahabua, Lumpu Cha. So there are a great many arahants in Thailand alone, such as Lumpu Wan, Akruba, Inda, Chak, and so on. Many, many uh, great uh, masters, great uh, arahants and bodhisattvas. And many of them have realized Nibbana already, or entered Nibbana already and others uh, continue to build their spiritual virtues. So we've uh, seen this, or we, we understand this, and we, we uh, see that this is the way to realize the end of suffering, this path that the Buddha taught. And we have the faith and strength of heart to uh, follow in the footsteps of the Buddha. We have the motivation to practice the Dhamma. Because in our Dhamma practice, we need motivation. We need this ability to motivate ourselves, for instance, not to miss out on morning and evening chanting, and for instance, to do the Sangha chores as well, and to do all the morning and evening chanting and to do the Sangha work projects, this shows that one's faith is firm and good to a good level to not miss them. We also have faith uh, in the chanting. And this chanting is a, a great merit, truly a great merit to praise the Buddha. And the sounds of this uh, praising the Buddha, this chanting can reach up to a 100,000 uh, world systems if we chant loudly. So this is a great merit that can help us in our Dhamma practice. So tonight we chanted the auspicious uh, blessing verses, the Purita chanting. And one of the verses we chanted was that to see a Samana is the highest blessing of one's life. And also to see the Four Noble Truths is one of the highest blessings as well. 
And in these Four Noble Truths, the first is that of dukkha, which we know already, and the cause of dukkha, which is this thirst, this craving, uh, coming from ignorance and leading to attachment, and this leads to nothing but suffering. And nobody wants suffering. Uh, we just, what we wish for is happiness, and we wish to be free of suffering. So therefore, what should we do to be free of this suffering? The Buddha taught in the beginning to have generosity, to practice sacrifice and giving. And why do we practice generosity? Because it's the nature of ignorance, of awija, that whenever we get anything, we have anything, whatever it is, we cling to it as me and mine. And whatever we do, we do it for ourselves. We do it with this for the sake of ourselves. Whether in the past, the present, or the future, this is how it is uh, all over the world. So therefore, we need to train our minds to practice following the way that the Buddha taught. And whether it's all the various types of material wealth in the world, or uh, studying for the sake of one's livelihood, and so on, we want to get a lot of this wealth, and we take it all as me and mine. And this wealth is capable of bringing us a certain degree of ease and reduction of suffering uh, to a degree. Because if one is lacking the four requisites in the world, then this is a situation of great difficulty. For instance, not having enough food, or not having a, a house or a dwelling place, not having enough clothing or medicine, and so on. In the present situation, this uh, is happening a lot around the world. So we can see those with a lot of wealth, such as having a big house as well, or having enough food. This is a certain level of comfort. Or one can feel very at ease. And if one doesn't have a house, this is a lot of suffering. Or one doesn't have enough food, and that's a lot of suffering. So some individuals may have a big comfortable house and have all material things have enough uh, medicine, and so on, not be lacking for anything. So we see, we see this, we can consider that, that which one has can be considered to come from those who don't have. And, but even for one who has everything and doesn't lack for anything, it's still possible they may not be able to go to the hospital and get medical treatment because the hospitals are full everywhere you go. They may need emergency room care, medical care, but there's simply no beds available. There's no places available. So we can say that some go to the hospital, some uh, become free from their illness, and some become free from the world, meaning that they, their body dies. But they're not truly free because having died, or the body having died, the mind gets born again. And this situation is due to the COVID pandemic. 
So we see that which is important is these four requisites of food, shelter, uh, clothing, and medicine. And this medicine is, uh, we see the importance of it in the present situation. With no medicine, no doctor, no uh, hospital room, and no oxygen, then the chance to recover is low, and the chance to die is great. So this is also related to one's karma as well, because one may actually have a doctor and medicine and oxygen and so on, and one still may die and not recover. And this is related to one's karma. But if one has uh, sufficient merit, it can help one to survive and recover. So this is about merit and demerit. So therefore we see how all the people in the world, whether they have a little material wealth or a lot, everyone still has suffering because of this body. You can say that the world harms the body and uh, damages the body. So we see that the way to realize the end of suffering is to start with generosity, to practice, to bring this generosity to a good level. And we get a happiness and joy from this merit of generosity. And we practice to, to be generous and sacrifice all the time. In the present time, it can be very refreshing to hear about uh, the generosity of people in the world. For instance, uh, taxi drivers may be having a particularly difficult time in the pandemic situation, in a single day, they may not get many passengers. But we see that some individuals have the loving kindness to give an extra tip or extra money to the taxi driver to help each other out. So this is a type of generosity that's beautiful to see, to help one another in this way. So if one has a lot, then one helps a lot. And even someone sitting in a taxi may ask the driver, oh, how is business? How are you doing? How much money have you got today? And then they may help that driver. But one also has to be careful and remember that sitting in a taxi can be quite dangerous with the COVID virus. So one should exercise restraint and care with this. Similarly, with giving out food and water and so on, one should be careful not to expose oneself uh, to the virus through doing these activities. One does these activities to the point of bringing a sense of fullness and happiness to the mind. And this is a benefit of generosity, this fullness of heart, happiness of heart. Another benefit is that one uh, receives uh, things and is not lacking for anything. So having established ourselves well in generosity, we practice uh, virtue, morality. So on this path to realizing the end of suffering, one needs virtue, one needs morality, this restraint of uh, behavior of body and speech. 
and one uses one's mindfulness and wisdom as well in this practice, practice of virtue. One sees the benefits of virtue and the drawbacks of not having virtue. For instance, in the social world, the world of social media, um, there may be many individuals who aren't very careful in the social world. So in the present time, there can be a lot of agitation and chaos arising from this lack of virtue. So therefore, we need to practice and train in virtue. So we have generosity, we have virtue, we have bhavana, mental cultivation, this training the mind with the meditation object, with the kamatana, to bring the mind to peace and stillness. So may you be intent in this practice of samadhi. May you do it a lot. You can practice using your wisdom to contemplate, to bring the mind to peace. Contemplating the body as a heap of impermanence, a heap of suffering, a heap of that which is not self and ownerless. And recollecting in this way, then the mind can get quieter, uh, less busy and distracted. In the beginning, the mind has a lot of agitation and chaos, a lot of thinking. And the mind simply won't stop thinking. It just thinks uh, a tremendous amount here and there. So if this is the case, one needs to be with one's meditation word a lot, repeat the meditation word very quickly and repeat it a lot to bring the mind to calm and peace. And at this point, this samadhi arises on its own. Then one knows for oneself what is samadhi like, what is rapture and bliss and one-pointedness, uh, what are they like. One, of, one may have read the text a lot and have read about these things. So at this point now, just do it. Uh, do it and see for yourself what it's like. These things aren't just going to float on the air and reach you by themselves. This is something you have to put into practice. You must put forth effort. You have to try and train yourself in these things. It's not going to arise... Uh, and just show up on its own. So may you do this a lot, really set your hearts on this practice. You can contemplate the body to bring the mind to samadhi, or use the recollection of breathing, anapanasati, or use wisdom to contemplate all things as empty, or contemplate the dhamma to bring the mind to peace and samadhi. And when you're doing various types of work, then you meditate while you work as well. If you're working in the kitchen, for instance, you can chant Budo, Dhammo, Sango. So whatever your work is, uh, practice mindfulness a lot. In the end, samadhi has to arise. And there's no need to go anywhere for this to happen, because the Buddha is in our minds and hearts already. But if we don't seek out the Buddha, then the Buddha won't arise in our hearts. Won't, we won't give birth to the Buddha in our hearts if we don't put forth effort in our search. It's just like rubbing two sticks together to make fire. One has to rub them together uh, continuously and put forth effort in that. 
If one doesn't rub the sticks together, then no fire will arise. So just like we can say fire is in the sticks already, the Buddha is in our heart already, we have to practice, we have to train uh, to see the Buddha in our hearts. One must put forth effort, one must seek it out, uh, really be intent and set one's heart on the practice, really strive in the practice. So we already know the way to bring the mind to peace and collectedness. We use our meditation object, such as Buddha Namo Sangho, practicing the four foundations of mindfulness. So we know the way to practice already. So may you be truly sincere and very intent in this practice. And with this sincere intent, then one must get the results. Uh, don't retreat, don't give up, but uh, keep putting forth effort. We see that the days and nights are constantly uh, passing by, arising and ceasing. So therefore we keep practicing to bring our minds to peace and collectedness and contemplate that all things in the world arise and cease. All pleasure, all pain arises and ceases. In truth, there's nothing there. Whatever mood or sense impression that the mind receives, whatever we're liking, whatever we're disliking, in truth, there's nothing there to be found. So what is there really to want or desire in the world? In truth, there's nothing there. But if we don't practice, then the mind will simply chase after all these sense impressions and objects. Whether one's young or old, one will keep chasing after all of them. One gets something and obtains something, and one just clings to it again, clings to it as me and mine. And there's no end to it. One doesn't find an end to this. It just keeps uh, cycling on like this uh, continuously. And these moments of clinging just keep getting connected to one another and go on and on. And this is because of a lack of mindfulness, a lack of peace in the mind. So therefore one must put forth effort. effort. One must set one's heart on this practice. And we can take this lifetime of ours, just this life, and offer it to the Buddha. And we offer it's just, just one lifetime, but we offer the entire lifetime to the Buddha. So therefore we practice for our, for our entire lifetime. We practice generosity, virtue, and meditation. We put forth effort and strive. We don't retreat, we don't give up. Sometimes it's difficult for myself, uh, when I was a younger monk, when I was practicing, the rain was falling very hard all night long and everything, all my things were getting very wet. I didn't have a raincoat and it was the cold season. I don't know why it was raining. So it was cold as well. So I put my uh, monk robes in my alms bowl and I sat all night there uh, feeling cold like this. And the ants were running away from the rain as well. And where could the ants go except for on my own body? 
so the ants crawled on me as the rain was falling, and I would spend the whole night like this. So sometimes it's like this. Sometimes Dhamma practice is difficult, but the fruits uh, have to arise at some point, this peace and collectedness of mind. So if we do this Dhamma practice, we do it uh, truly and sincerely, then we practice to see everything as empty and void. And if one's really sincere and really practices, you'll see this for yourself. And the mind sees it on its own, sees everything arise and cease, arise and cease. No doubts are left after this point. In the beginning, one uses uh, memory and perception. It's not yet a clear seeing in this way, but one builds wisdom bit by bit using this uh, memory. For instance, I would read about uh, many types of trees, and there are many names and many tree species, uh, like oak or maple and so on. But seeing clearly, one sees that in truth, there's no name there. One sits with a still mind. One asks, well, does this tree really have a name? Do, does, do the qualities of male and female, of being young or being old, do they announce themselves? Um, male, I'm female, I'm a child, or I'm old. But one sees that in truth, um, when the mind is still, in truth there's nothing there. And one sees even deeper than this. One sees that everything's constantly arising and ceasing. So what is there worth clinging to? There's nothing there to own as one's uh, possession, as me or mine. So why bother uh, fighting and competing uh, selfishly with others in the world, seeing that everything arises and ceases, nothing's worth clinging to, and it's better just to put down this contentiousness in fighting, not to take whatever is good and to try to cling to it as me and mine, uh, to cling to it as self, this is wrong. It's better to practice sacrifice and giving according to what the Buddha taught. So we have something good. We train ourselves to be generous and to sacrifice. And we can take the Buddha as our example in this way. We can look at the example of the Buddha and we keep practicing in order to cut off the defilements in our own hearts. And if we lack wisdom, then everything is done for the sake of the self. There's no sense of giving or sacrifice. And in the end, one dies all the same and can't take any of one's possessions with oneself at that point. So those with wisdom and knowledge practice giving and sacrifice. And we can see that in the world, uh, those who are intelligent in this way are fewer. Those that are ignorant and unintelligent are greater in number. But those with wisdom practice following the teachings and example of the Buddha to reach the end of suffering. Whereas others uh, keep 
clinging, keep on suffering, and keep on being born and dying in the world. So may you all, all the monastics and lady, may you all set your hearts on this practice.